welcome. This is a message from Victory Church. We trust you'll be inspired and encouraged by today's message. Thank you. Thanks, Musos. Thank you. You can take your seats. Wonderful. Well, part six of Christmas Unwrapped. As Tony mentioned, the study of Luke chapters 1 and 2. And I have the privilege tonight of speaking to us from Luke chapter 1, verses 46 to 55. And the subject, or the title of my message tonight, is There's Something About Mary. So if you would please turn with me to Luke chapter 1, verse 46. Or if you don't have your Bibles with you, it will be up on the screen behind me. And I'm just going to read that. It says in verse 46, And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought rulers down from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors." If you're new on our journey, so far what has happened is that the angel Gabriel has visited uh, the young girl Mary. He has told her that she is highly favoured and that the Holy Spirit will overshadow her and that she will give birth to the Son of God. This is what's happened and this is some of the... um, past uh, messages that we've spoken and again as Tony said you can go onto our website and see them. So this is what's happened. Mary has had the visitation from the angel. The angel has told her your cousin Elizabeth who also couldn't uh, bear children and is old in age is also divinely pregnant. uh, Not divinely. uh, What would you call that? Still a man and a woman, but God has blessed them. How's that? (laughs) And that uh, she's been barren for all these years, but God has opened her womb. They've conceived. Now Mary gets up and goes to her. Now she And um, as Pete shared this morning, as Mary comes into the presence of Elizabeth, then Elizabeth's pregnant with John the Baptist, or who we know to be John the Baptist, and the baby leaps in her womb. And Elizabeth has this song of praise about Mary and about the baby that she's to bear. And then Mary's response, is what I've just read. And the thing I want to pick up on tonight is the fact that Mary was presented with this grand scenario. She's been told that you are going to be the mother of the Messiah and literally her response is she bursts into song because that is known as Mary's song. So, And I just thought about that and thought, I don't know if bursting into song is kind of the response I would have if an angel of the Lord visited me and told me I would be divinely pregnant and give birth to the Messiah. But the thing you need to know is the song, but it's not just any song. Mary is not singing the blues, all right? She's not going, my life is through. They don't believe what I said is true. 
They think I'm a liar. Da-na-na-na-na. I'm going to burn in the hell the fire. Da-na-na-na-na. <laughs> I told the guys I was going to sing tonight. I'm just chickening out. Because <laughs> I've always wanted to sing. No, it's not a song of the blues. It's more like a song like this. I'm getting courage. <laughs> Do you want to know? I went, Here's a little song I wrote. I just want to tell you note for note. Don't worry. Be happy. Or, or, for the younger generation, if you only think of things that you haven't got, you can have it all but still not have enough. So don't worry. Go, Mitchy. <laughs> For your older generation, that's Guy Sebastian's new song, all right? You might not have recognised it, but that's what it was, all right? I recognise. See, someone recognised it. Awesome. So, so Mary's response is to burst into song, and I just want to be able to look at her song tonight and just share a couple of things that I think is wonderful about Mary that we can learn from. And the first thing is that Mary turns worry into worship. I mean, put yourself in this girl's situation. She's been given this incredible scenario, this incredible promise, and I think there's a lot to worry about in that. The first thing that jumps to mind is she's got to think, hang on a second, I'm engaged. I'm supposed to be married. I have to tell this man that I haven't slept with anyone else, but this is a divine appointment of God, and I have to trust that he's going to believe me. I think that's something you, could, you would worry about. She's got to go home to mum and dad and say, no, 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 you don't get it, mum. I've, I've listened to all your counsel. I've done all the right things. I haven't been with a man. This is of God. She's got all her friends who are, have thoughts and opinions. She's got a lot to worry about. How about this? Some of us here who've been pregnant, just being pregnant is enough to worry about. And yet here's a 13-year-old girl who lives in a remote place. I mean, women died in childbirth. There's a lot that Mary could in the natural be worried about. Do you agree? But what I love about this is Mary doesn't worry. She actually worships. You see, some of us here today believe that worry is our spiritual gift. Some of us are so good at it. You know when the scripture says, well done, good, faithful servant, you who've been faithful with a little will receive much. We think that's me because I'm a great warrior. I've been very good with this spiritual gift of worry. And yet the Bible tells us in Luke chapter 12, verse 25, that we shouldn't worry because who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? I'm here to let you know a little secret, which isn't really little and it's not really a secret, But worry is useless. Here's what worry will do for you. Worry can make you lose your hair. Worry can make you lose your health. Worry can make you lose your mind. Worry can make you lose your family. Worry can make you maybe lose your finances because all the money you spend going to doctors or medications or therapists or whatever. Worry can make you eventually, even possibly, lose your life. There's nothing fun exciting or fulfilling about worry. And yet sometimes it's our very first response. And we've got to look at Mary and say, what is it about her life? What's what's this something about Mary? She learnt the art of turning worry into worship. Now you might sit there and say, oh, well, that's all right for Mary. I'm like, really? That's all right for Mary? What have any of us, now we've all got situations and circumstances that we're facing, but if Mary can do it, then so can we. 
We need to turn our worry into worship. You know, I don't know if you know me very well, and maybe I didn't do a great rendition of singing up here, but there's one thing that our family is renowned for, and that's singing. I didn't say good singing, I just said singing. When uh, Tony, I've got a brother who is eight years younger than me, and when Tony and I first got married, there would be a couple of times through the year, he'd just come and stay at our house. He was 16, 17, you know, really cool. And I never forget, several times he'd say, you know what, all you two do is sing. He said, you're forever singing. I wake up in the morning, you're singing. We're walking around the house, you're singing. When you go to bed, you're singing. I mean, that's just the way we are. I've learned the art of singing. I've learned the art of worship. In fact, about six weeks ago, I walked into the ladies' bathroom. I know, it's a rare occasion, but... I walked into the ladies' bathroom and said, ladies aren't like men. Well, I don't know because I've never been into the men's bathroom when you've all been in there. But girls, we don't worry about the cubicle door. The doors and the barriers are no barrier to us. We'll have conversations over those, under those, around. doesn't matter. So I walk into the bathroom and I'm, without even realising, it's part of DNA, it's part of who I am, it's part of what I do, I'm singing. And I hear, oh, Kath, how are you? So me, I go, God. Speak, Lord, your servant's listening. Because like, and then someone went, you idiot. It's, I, think, I can't remember. I think it was Elise. She said, I said, how did you know it was me? I mean, I'm so blonde sometimes. How did you know it was me? She said, I'd recognise that singing voice anytime, anywhere. Now, don't laugh. She was, that wasn't a mockery. She picked up on the fact that I'm full of joy and always singing, all right? So much so that even this week when I was in the office preparing, Benno's in the office behind me. And I heard him, he burst out laughing because he'd been playing a song, which I obviously didn't realise, but subconsciously picked it up. And so I obviously started singing. He stops the music he's doing. He can hear me sing. And he goes, Kath, one day you'll make it on the stage. <laughs> I said, Benno, I'm going for it tonight. So don't turn me down. All righty. So one of the things is that often sometimes people would say to us, uh, you know, if they look at your, our lives and they say, I understand it's sometimes not easy in leadership and it's not. I mean, it's a wonderful position. I love it. It's great. Has it, like anything, has its ups and downs. But I have to say, one of the key things of surviving in ministry is this key of being able to worship. Because, you know, people, I'm silly. I can do dumb things. I hurt people. I'll do some silly things. People do it back to me. But if there's any success in my life, or if there's any seemingly joy or overcoming, it's come down to this truth like Mary. I've learned to turn worry into worship. I've just learned to sing and say, you know what? I can sing. And here's the thing. We often sit there and go, oh, but I can't sing. My question or my statement to you is, do you have a mouth? Do you have a tongue? Apparently you need teeth because you're supposed to stick your tongue at the back of your bottom teeth. That's why you sing better. So the singing teacher who quit on me told me before she quit. (laughs) But if you've got a mouth, if you've got lips, if you've got a tongue, if you've got teeth, if you are alive, you can sing. And I just want to let you know, you know what, if, if things are not how they should be in your life, then sing. Sing. Sing a song. <laughs> Make it simple. Now, seriously, guys, you can laugh and you can mock me, but sing. And you, and you go, well, I don't feel like it. Well, singing and worship is not a feeling, it's a choice. It's a decision to say, you know what, it might, things might not be going well. Things aren't quite how I want them, but I have a choice tonight and I'm going to start. We tell people all the time, you worship your way into worship. 
You don't sit there going, oh, when I feel like it, I'll do it. Because, hey, you may never feel like it. David said, why are you so downcast, my soul? Get up and sing. He paraphrased version. He said, get off your fat, lazy butt and sing. Because things could be worse. So you get up and you sing. And there's plenty of times where I've started in the... Because we get Christians, we get spiritual. No, I need the Holy Spirit to move on me. And then when I feel the unction, then I'll move. It's like, you know what? Sing. Tell your body, sing. Just get up and sing. Sing a song. Make it simple. Make it last the whole day long. And again, don't worry if it's not good enough. Because it's only God in heaven who cares. You know, you sit here and you listen to Jess and to Elise and all the singers. I'm like, oh, I can't sing as good as them. So what? We need them to encourage us to be able to open our mouths. So Because if we all just waited on ourselves and then sang, we'd all stop, go, ooh. But they start so that we can go for it. And then we should forget that they're there. I forget. I mean, I know people move away from me when they're down the front. I don't care. I have a voice that only a father can love, and some of you are the same. So sing, and sing loud, and sing strong, and sing bold. It's a choice. It's your decision. You worship your way into it. You sit there and you say, well, singing, how is it going to change my situation? It isn't. But you know what? It could change you. It doesn't change your situation. Well, will things get better? Well, maybe not. But you know what? Your perspective may change. The way you look at things. Hey, wow, you may even crack a smile if you sing. Go figure. But you know what? Things change. All right. So what, what's so special about Mary? She's taught us how to turn our worry into worship. The second thing I think about Mary is that she focuses, this is what her song says to me. She focuses on the giver and not the gift. I mean, she was given a great privilege. And what you have to understand is that in her, in her day in the preceding generations, Says spoke in the second week about the prophecies and how all of those had come to pass. And there'd been prophecies about the coming Messiah, how God was going to send someone to deliver his people. So that she's been living with all of this. So it was every girl's desire to possibly be used as an instrument in that um, bringing to birth that. And so here she is. She's actually been given that opportunity. And what I love about Mary is there's no hint of her thinking, I'm going to be Mother Mary, Messiah Mum. That's me. That's what you can call me. Her song is dripping with theology that says, you know what? God is good. Why? Not because he chose me, but because he's seen and he's been faithful to his promises of bringing a deliverer to the people of Israel. Not because, oh, wow, he's going to use me and I'm so high and mighty now and I'm so great and I've earned this. Her whole song is about God, you are good. Mary seeks the giver not the gift. And often one of the frustrating things in leadership and in my life is when we get to that point, if if church is sad, if church is boring, if we're tired and burned out and annoyed and frustrated and people are ticking us off, we have to look at ourselves and say, actually, are we focusing on the gift? The gift being the job that we've been called to do, the talents that we have, the area of ministry that we serve in. Have Have we started looking at the gift rather than looking at the giver. Because you know what? If you keep your focus on the giver, if you keep your focus on Father God who says, you know what? Because we have a divine privilege also like Mary. You and I who believe in Jesus are sons and daughters of God. And our sole purpose on earth is to go and tell others about the good news of what Jesus has done for us and has done for them. So that's it. And if that... um, has been lost on you, if the privilege of that has been lost on you, you have to ask yourself, what happened? 
Have I taken my eyes off the giver and am I too busy focused on the gift and the doing of what it is I'm supposed to be doing and these silly people and they don't do this and nobody listens to me and, and church is this and this and this. It's like, no, get your focus off the gift and look to the giver and say, you know what, he, I've got an amazing privilege to share the good news of what Jesus has done in my life to my friends and family who don't yet know him. Mary's song is all about the fact that she focuses on the giver and not the gift. I think one of the saddest things for a leader is to stand with people. We've stood with people who have tried for years to maybe have a baby. We've stood with people who are believing for breakthrough, maybe in a relationship. We've stood with people who are believing for breakthroughs in health or financial breakthroughs, wanting promotions, wanting graduations, wanting to get into courses, wanting to do this, wanting to do that. It's wonderful to stand with them. It's not so wonderful when they receive their gift and they forget about the giver. Now that's life and we will continue. I'm not going to stop doing that. But I tell you what, if I take my eyes off the giver and start focusing on that, I won't be around standing for the next time someone comes to me and says, actually, will you stand with me? It's about focusing on the giver and saying, God, you, we do this for you. And like I said, I just want to encourage you, if there's something you're standing for, there's something you're believing for, there's something you want to see come to pass in your life, keep your focus on the giver. Because when the gift comes, don't forget him who gave it to you. Hey, everything, the Bible says that every good and perfect gift comes from above. There's nothing you have, there's nothing I have that God hasn't given to us. And can I tell you as a parent, we travel quite a bit and our kids do great when we're away and there's a little tradition that they get something from us when we get back. Can I tell you what ticks me off? Is when my kids are more enamoured or more looking forward to what I give them than to me. Now, I like the fact that they like what we give them, and I'm not saying that they shouldn't like it, but what I'm saying is you pick a spirit that says, you know what, I'm not really fussed about you, just give me what I can get. And that stuff we've got to smack early. And just say, you know what, hey, I love the fact that they love me, and because they love me, they love what I've given them. But when those things reverse, I don't like it as a parent. And so if I don't like it as a parent, because the Bible also says you who are earthly... If you know how to give good gifts, how much more your Father in heaven? So I think if that ticks me off, wow, I wonder how God feels. Now he's perfect and he's not going to, because if I was God, I'd probably smite us all and say, well, that'll teach you. God doesn't do that. But you've got to have, you've got to have a look into that and think, gee, what does it do to his heart? To think he gives lavish gifts. And you might sit there and say, he's given me nothing. Are you breathing right now? Do you have oxygen? God's giving you gifts. He's giving you lots. Take your focus off the gift and start to put it on the giver. It's a thing that ticks me off about Christmas. I love Christmas, but I hate it when you go to the shops and there's angst. There's angst in the car parks. There's people trolley rage in the thing. They're running into you. They're trying to get the latest gifts. And then I was in the shops only yesterday and a woman was going off because something wasn't there that they'd advertise and blah, blah. And I'm sorry, I've been guilty too. I've been like, I came here to do it. But you know what? I think, you know, that's, we're so focused on, what am I buying gifts for at Christmas time? I'm buying gifts to give to people. Why? In celebration of who? The giver. I've taken my eyes totally off the giver. I'm so focused on, I'm stressing out, but I don't know what to get them. They've got everything. It's so hard to get someone on. Here, have a stupid gift. It's like, wow. Totally missed the point. Taking my focus off of, who it is we're celebrating, what it is he's done, who he is, and put it onto the gift. 
And that's what I love about Mary is that there's no hint of that in her song. It's like, yep, God has chosen me. He's blessed me. But you know what? More importantly and way above all of that is, God, you've made a way for your people Israel. Wow. Wow. Mary keeps her focus on the giver and not the gift. The last thing that I get out of Mary's little song is that she trusted in the truth and not the times. Can you imagine what people said about Mary? I mean, try it. Imagine you come home to mum and dad and say, no, no, no. No, I haven't done anything wrong, mum. An angel visited me. An angel told me this. I am with child because I'm bearing the son of God. And for the rest of her life, she lived with it. Because remember, Jesus went and died on the cross. So seemingly, it wasn't like she was vindicated. So she's lived and will live with this. And so imagine what people say about her. She's living with the fact that people think she's a harlot. People think she's been sleeping around. Some of them may think, you know what, this girl is so fanatically believing in this coming Messiah that she's deceived and has thought this. Some just think she's a flat-out liar. Others think she's a lunatic. But here's what I love. That's what others think. That's what others are saying. That's what the times are saying. But Mary is holding on to the truth because she knew what God had said to her. She knew what God had told her. And you know what? We live in troublesome times. There's the GFC, there's ABC, KFC, there's, um, what's the other? I said ABC, Mitch, thanks. Oh, CBC, sorry. You've been NBC. <laughs> okay, whatever. WWE. Okay, we got it. All right. Got it. Got it. We live in troubling times. There's all sorts of opinions out there. I mean, you heard Pete this morning when he talked about if you are a person in trouble and you're not really thinking that you want to keep this child, you can go to websites. You heard the opinions on the websites, what they said. There's all sorts of times out there. There's all sorts of opinions. There's all sorts of thoughts and theories. But Mary didn't trust on the thoughts and theories. Mary trusted in the truth. You know, we have a saying in our house that the facts are, but the truth is. And right here, right now, there are different people who have different circumstances. There's different facts about your life. Some of you need a breakthrough in healing. Some of you are wanting a breakthrough relationally. Some of you are wanting a breakthrough financially. Some of you are wanting breakthroughs in academics and in um, jobs, promotions. There's all sorts of facts in this room. But there's the truth. And the truth is, no matter what your situation is, God is in control. No matter what your situation is, God's hand is on you. No matter what situation you find, God is a God who heals today, even if your experience is not that you are experiencing that right now. The truth is, God says he can heal you. The truth is, God says, he knit you together in your mother's womb. You are wonderfully and fearfully made. So the facts are, you might not believe it. The facts are, people might be saying things about you, but the truth is what God has said. And Tony shared with you this morning about our story about Mitch. And when I was 18 weeks pregnant, they wanted us to terminate because of what the ultrasound said. And we had just to cut a long story story short, 
we had said, no, that is fine. We are going to go with what God is. We're going to trust God. Now, we had facts. I've got the ultrasound evidence that seemingly backs up what the doctors told me. There is no denying what they picked up, the umbilical cord, the hand. I've got facts. But during that whole six, as we found out, say three months, that whole six months, I said, God, I know what the facts are, but I know what the truth says. And the truth says, you will not put me through that which I cannot bear. So whatever the circumstance comes out of this, I can handle this. The fact is, your word says, the truth is, your word says that you've knit this child together in my womb that he is fearfully and wonderfully made, that your works are good full well, I know them. So the facts are that something's amiss here. But the truth is you're in control. And Mary's song drips of that. The facts are this. Society today drips of the facts are. You know what? Try before you buy. Why not sleep around and see if you like it? Why not kill or be killed? Why not in the workplace just slag on everybody, push them all aside, climb over them to get to the top? Survival of the fittest. That's what the times are saying. But we're not to listen to the times. We're supposed to be like Mary and say, you know what? It doesn't matter what the times say. What does the truth say? And it's the truth the Bible says, that will set us free. Mary knew the truth. It didn't matter. I'm not saying it was easy for her to hear the sniggers behind her back. It wasn't easy for her to cop the uh, flack and the innuendo and everything that came with it. I didn't say it was easy, but the truth set her free. She knew the truth and the truth also will set us free. And we need to be people like Mary that says, you know what? I know the truth. I know what God has done for me. I know what he has said to me. And that is what I'm going to hold on to. Mary knew her God. She knew what he said. She knew what he did. Mary's song is full of theology. Mary knows her God. And we need to be people who know our God. So that when the times say this, like Pete did a wonderful job this morning, when the times say this, it's like, this is what God says. The times are saying this, but this is what God says. I read a tweet only yesterday, and I thought it was amazing. It was from Joel Abel. And he says, Alpha and Omega, which just means it's a name of God, meaning beginning and end. He said, let God have the first word and the final say. Let God have, it doesn't matter what the times are in between. It's like the first word of God and the final say. People are saying, sleep around, think about this. What's the first word? This is what God says. So the final say is, God, because you said so, I'm going to keep myself pure. God, because you said so, I'm going to put boundaries in place so that I don't find myself in that position. Because you said so, this is what I'm going to do. Let God have the first word and the final say. Mary's song was a response to what God promised her. My question I want to leave with you tonight is, What's your response to what God is saying to you? Do you worship God because of who he is? Not even for what he's done, but just because of who he is? Are you too busy worrying about the times and what's happening? And where's my next meal coming from? And what's going to happen here? And will I ever get married? And will this baby come? And will they grow up? Or will they do this? Will I pass school? Will I? What's your response to what God has done? Will you worship or are you worrying? Are you so focused on what you've got to do, the gift, rather than the one who's given you the gift? I'm so bent out of shape because this is what I've got to do and I've got to get all this done, rather than, God, you who know me through and through still choose to use me. Is your focus on what you've got to do 
or is it on the one who does it for you? And then finally, where's your trust? Is your trust in yourself, in your own strength, in what you can do, in your stocks, your finances, your savings, your own gifts and talents, I'll work harder, I'll do this? Or is your trust in the one who holds the things around you? You see, there's something about Mary. She's taught us how to turn our worry into worship. She's taught us how we can focus on him who gives us everything rather than what he's given us. And she's taught us that we're to trust in him. If a poor, likely illiterate 13-year-old girl from a small town of no importance can sing a song of joy in the midst of what she's going through and what she will go through, then what's your excuse? What's my excuse? When you phrase it like that, we don't have an excuse. If you're a non-believer here, your first response is actually just towards God. To say, you know what? My response has been, I've ignored you. So I want to encourage you that as a church, we need to respond to God for who he is and be like Mary and sing and sing for joy. And if you don't know the God that I've been sharing about, my encouragement to you is to ask him. So I want to know, meet, see, feel, hear this God that that woman has been talking about. Amen? Amen. This is the end of the message. Thank you for taking the time to listen and God bless.